Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing pretty well. I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of baseball in over the last weekend. I've been uh, in Boston hanging out with some friends, but um, I did I did get as much as I can done. I watched some games. Uh, I saw the Red Sox. They're doing pretty well, and we'll get to that later. But it's been it's a pretty seemingly interesting weekend of baseball. You had a history being made on Friday. You had uh, some comeback. You had a big comeback win on Saturday, I believe. Um, a big comeback win on uh, Saturday. Or no, today, today, the Mariners today. Oh, right. Yeah, they yeah. scored uh, eight unanswered against the Twins. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I did not catch that. Yeah, they were down mm-hmm. six nothing. And then, oh, they came back. Yeah, so a big, big comeback win there. A big comeback story uh, that we'll get into. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and. Yeah, we'll start off with what happened on Friday night, which was uh, the first Padres no-hitter in history brought to you by uh, San Diego native Joe Musgrove. Pretty crazy stuff. I feel like we kind of saw this coming. Like, I remember you had a lot of expectations coming for him at, in San Diego after that trade. Um, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, yeah, like his – you know, I'm not saying – you know, this ties into a no hitter, but him improving, you know, he hasn't given up a a run yet in his two starts. Like, yeah, his expected, his expected ERA was pretty much always lower than his actual ERA and he benefited or he um, was not the, the pirates defense didn't benefit him. And now the Padres Padres defense probably will benefit him, especially when, whenever Tatis junior comes back, but yeah, like, and you know, he's leaving Pittsburgh. So that adds a, a whole nother element to it. So yeah. And, you know, not saying it would lead to a no hitter right off the bat, but obviously the guy's looking amazing. That's what happened. Yeah. I mean, it's very weird to think that the Padres never had a no hitter. Like it's not like they're a relatively new team. They've been around since I think like the sixties or something like that, sixties or seventies. Um, but I mean, they were the yeah, only team. Their who 53rd season. Yeah. So I'm better. You know what? Like it was bound to happen. You know, this is, we've, we've been talking so much on how it's bound to be such a magical year for the Padres. And right off the bat, we're getting the first Padre no hitter. And we've been to, and like, it's been a pretty relatively known thing for a long time that the Padres are the only team that didn't have one. Like, I don't know. When was the, who was the 29th team? Was it the Rays when Matt Garza did it? Um, or was it the Rockies when Ubaldo Jimenez did it? Uh, when did Ubaldo Jimenez do it? I want to say like oh nine. Um, those probably happened around the same time. The Diamondbacks didn't have to wait too long. No, 
okay. Ubaldo Jimenez was in 2010. I'll check when Matt Garza's was. Yeah, those are like same era. That was also in 2010, I think. July 26, 2010. Back to... Back to Ubaldo Jimenez, who did it on April. So the Rays were the 29th team, I believe. I mean, I don't think... Yeah, don't think 11 years ago. The Marlins... Yeah, the Marlins. I think the Marlins had one pretty early in their oh, history. Okay. They've had like four or something like that. Like I know Edinson, Edinson Volquez was the last one to do it. Yeah, they had Volquez, Henderson Alvarez, I think. Um, and then, yeah. They, they had some others. Al Leiter. Al Leiter did it in 96. That's right, because people were talking about Al Leiter's no-hitter when Jack Leiter threw his. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was three years into their – that, that was in their fourth season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Three World Series. So, yeah, like, the amount of teams that have come to form since the Padres who have gotten a no-hitter before them, like, that's the the Mariners, the uh, – Royals? Yeah, the Royals came into existence, I believe, the same year the Padres did. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Mariners, the Rockies, Marlins – Diamondbacks Rays. Diamondbacks Rays. There's yeah, been five teams that have come in existence, while the uh, and, it, and they were very spaced out too. It's not like it was a couple of years of separation. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, the Diamondbacks and Rays came in 29 years after the Padres. Yeah, yeah pretty pretty wild that that never occurred. I mean, I guess, you know, who and they had some good pitchers too. Like Kevin Brown was awesome in that '98 season. Andy Ashby. Um, uh, Sterling Hitchcock, like they had a lot of good pitchers, even like more modern, like Denelson Lamette, uh, guys like that too. Jake Peavy, want to say young, yeah, um, Jake want to say young, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty wild that that never happened, you know, even like it doesn't even have to be the best pitcher, you know, we saw Alec Mills deliver one, like Mills, the luckiest no hitter in the history of the world, like, yeah, in most. And, you know, on an average day, that's probably like six innings, two runs allowed. But <laughs> not not the most dominating in, in any Sometimes way. the stars align. Yeah, some, yeah. Sometimes you just get that one in, one in a million chance of, you know, ha- having that type of day and getting that result, and it happens. But, yeah, there was a, there was a storyline. I didn't know that Joe Musgrove was actually from San Diego until mm-hmm. – mentioned on the on the broadcast and you know i guess it's a good recipe that he was facing the rangers uh-huh yeah because the padres just can't can't stop delivering death blows to texas and yeah. as far as karma yeah the, he okay so musgrove was drafted out of grossmont high school out of el cajon california which is i met which i imagine which near san diego near san diego yeah um like south of it or something yeah all right, let's let's look at El Cajon on a on a map in California. Um, but yeah, it's pretty fitting, and you know it it only took the guy two starts in a Padres uniform. Yeah, <laughs> like talk about a first impression in a season where you have some pretty high expectations. And I know that like people are gonna draw the the Pirates comparisons, which I think is just really cheap and and outdated at this point because I don't think it's within scouting. I think it's within development. 
but that's a different story. But yeah, I mean, like coming right over from Pittsburgh and, you know, proving yourself worthy of, uh, of being like in need of a change of scenery right off the bat when you're expected to be competing for a division with a super team, like that's huge. Yeah, right. You know, he, yeah, and he wasn't even, you know, when you're think when you thought of the Padres rotation, he was maybe the fourth guy or even beyond that, that you thought about. Yeah. And here he comes looking like the best pitcher on the staff as, as of now, uh, I'm going to show, I'm going to uh, share the screen here of where El Cajon is. Yeah. Little, little West of San Diego. I imagine. Yeah. It's probably a, a little suburb of San Diego for the viewers on YouTube. Uh, but yeah. Not to mention he also had, I mean, first of all, I had a game score of 97. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, his complete line was nine hits, no runs, no walks, no hits, and 10 strikeouts. I'm assuming was the one was the one base runner hit by pitch was it an error? What was that? Yeah, it was a first uh, first pitch hit by pitch to Joey Gallo in the fourth inning. Ah. Yeah. yeah. When, yep, it was. Just one mistake. Well, you know what? Hey, I mean, very few are perfect. There's the reason. There's a reason there haven't been any perfect games in nearly 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, we, you know, it might not have to do necessarily with the Pirates either, um, because Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove is on an absolute trend right now, in, in general, uh, in his since uh, September or. His last four starts last year consisted of a 1.64 ERA in 22 innings pitched, and I believe his strikeout rate went up uh, quite a bit. Um, so, I mean, I think this guy's just pretty much on the rise and, you know, one of the, you know, dark horse pitchers out there right now. Absolutely. Um I mean, the reason I talked about the Pirates is like, you're always going to see that stuff on social media where it's like the Pirates could have had Cole and they could have had Glass now and they could have had Meadows and they could have had Archer and they could have had Musgrove now. Like, I think that's just really cheap at this point. Like, first of all, we get it. But second of all, like, you know that all those people started thriving once they left Pittsburgh. Like Tyler Glass now was awful before before he left Pittsburgh. Austin Meadows was pretty good, but like, you know, Glass now is awful. Cole was not the same. Cole had like basically one good year in Pittsburgh. Like it's just, I think it's really cheap to come out the Pirates for stuff like that because it's not that they, it's not that they uh, are giving up on these guys too early. It's that there's there there's something going on within development that just isn't working. Yeah, I I know that uh, they like preached the they still like preach the idea of throwing low fastballs in the age of launch angle, which just it's yeah. very, very outdated at this point. Like their their pitching development is about 15 years late. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's just a conversation to be had within the within the organization. And yeah, also if the Pirates could not have had Cole and Musgrove together because no, there's no way they would have they were traded for each other. Uh, that's true. But not only that, but Cole was a free agent. Yeah. Like, under yeah. no circumstances were they getting him, even if he stayed with them throughout his whole six-year contract initially. Yeah, let's not let's not forget who the owner is. Also, yeah, that's not 
That's not happening. Uh, I don't want to make this about the Pirates, though. This is about the San Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove's game score of 97 was only the third game score of 97 in San Diego Padres history. The other two were Clay Kirby in 1971, where he had a classic uh, 15-inning start, which is, I mean, you know, you don't see that anymore. The other one was Andy Bennis in 1994, where he, had, he went nine innings pitched, one hit, one walk, 13 strikeouts. So, yeah, the only uh, – only the second one in a nine inning game exactly the first one since 94 yeah first one since i mean this was obviously a historic outing Uh, i mean you could probably make a case that it's the best pitching performance in the history of the franchise i mean it's very easy to make that case when it's the only no hitter yeah uh, it is and especially a no hitter with without any walks either facing the minimum uh yeah oh no no not the minimum he faced one more than the minimum he faced 28 batters got 27 of them out uh struck out 10 very dominant performance it was efficient and he only had had 112 pitches too like that is not that many yeah you know i guess that's what happens when you don't walk anybody all Uh, things considered like there's been so much talk about like you know the, the the games are on the rise like the game times are so bad it's because that bats are longer like people are fighting off these foul balls they're drawing walks like a three-pitch strike, you know, like a six-pitch strikeout is an out, but it's going to take a lot longer than a two-pitch ground out, and we're seeing a lot more of this of the strikeouts now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's also it does tie into the like balls and play thing. You know, strikeouts, strikeouts are up, so obviously, you know, it's harder. It, I, whether it's on the pitchers or the hitters. Yeah. Not to mention, this is also Trent Grisham's first game back from the IL. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think he homered today. Yeah. Now we, you know, maybe he can have back to back 10, 10 seasons. Um, <laughs> see, see if he, he's able it'd be, to- it'd be very impressive. If you could, could get another one down this year, this year. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But whether it's on the hitters or the pitchers, uh, at bats are going longer because guys are not hitting, uh, putting the ball in play at the same rate. There's more foul balls, more swings and misses, more, you know, balls being taken, more strikes being taken. So yeah. obviously that'll drag the thing out. That, and I feel like a lot of teams are preaching, like working, working counts, like get, like take a long at bat, try to be in there for like six, seven, eight pitches, you know, work the, work the pitch count because then you're going to tire the guy out and they're going to go through a carousel relievers. Like, I feel like that's kind of preached within organizations. Yeah. Money, money ball probably uh, did a lot of that. Yeah. You don't see as many free swingers out there. You know, it's a lot more rare guys with, you know, of guys with a small difference in average and on base percentage. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, whether you like it or not, this is, this is baseball. Now this is 21st century baseball. Uh, yeah. So on to another subject, another pitching performance, uh, where, also, I believe there were no hits allowed, but this was but not as not as impressive, but impressive on the context. Yeah, this was over about two innings of, of work. Um, Brent Honeywell, who, you know, if you were uh, following, you know, the top 100 prospects for the past, you know, five, five years, years, he's been uh, he's been near the top of the Rays list. Every and single the nationalist. Time. Yeah, and the nationalist. I believe he was in the top 15 before 2018 
and uh, that's gone down a bit because he's gone, undergone four surgeries in the past four years or three and a half years, I believe. And uh, finally, he has found uh, he's found himself on a major league mound. Pretty crazy. I'm so so happy for this guy. Like people. There are very few individuals in Major League Baseball who have gone through more just to get to that point than Brent Honeywell. Like, you know, you obviously have your your Trey Mancini's, your Jamison Tyons, and, you know, all respect to them. Like, they went through more than anyone should ever have to to get back on a Major League mound. But Brent Honeywell, this was all to get on one in the first place. Uh, I remember in 2017, the Rays opted not to call him up in in September, uh, which kind of surprised a lot of people which led to a Tommy John surgery pre-2018 and then a, another surgery pre-2019. And then he opted out of 2020. So uh, he's been through pretty much everything you can imagine. Uh, this, you know, today his outing was not about whether he won or lost, whether he struck out a bunch of guys, whether he gave up runs. It was all about the fact that he was on a major league mound for the first time in his career. Yeah. You know, it, there were probably a, a lot of times where he thought about, where he thought about giving up and uh, not, you know, following through with his major league dream because it's probably was a very hard on him, but yeah, he delivers today, two innings, uh, no base runners, two strikeouts against a very good Yankees lineup. And uh, yeah, did, did the job. It was completely unexpected. Uh, He was at the alternate training site and was scheduled to make a start there. And uh, Chris Archer went down. Chris Archer was uh, scratched and Brent Honeywell comes up and he probably, you know, he probably will be a contributor throughout the year. He'll be just one of those, one of those members of the stable. Yeah. I mean, I really hope, I think like everyone should be rooting for Brent Honeywell, regardless of what you think of the Rays. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what particular thing people would have against the Rays if you're under the age of 55 years old, but yeah. Um, you know, they are making changes to the game, but you should be you should be rooting for this guy. Like he has been through more than anyone should ever be able to go through. Uh he's he's had to work his way up to get to just the point of being there. And to see him succeed, I think would be the best thing for baseball. Uh yeah. It's a it's a very good story. It would be nice to see him uh succeed over a full season. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great story for uh, that young man and the Rays organization. And uh, just to give you an idea, he hasn't pitched in the minors since 2017 either. Right. Yeah. He's like, just. This is not. This was a very, uh, you know, a sort of aggressive call up for the for the Tampa Bay Rays. Like they really did not waste any time. Yeah. No. They. Uh, they didn't. It must have been a conversation that they had with him. And this was probably, yeah, his first year in the minors, you know, what you can consider the minors. I don't know really what the alternate training set is, but Mm -hmm. this is, yeah, his first time in professional baseball in in a very long time. And all of a sudden you're starting against the Yankees. Exactly. I mean, that's like, that adds a whole nother element to it. Like, you know, yeah, obviously you go through all that and that's ridiculous, but if you were to take all that out and say the Rays are calling up a guy who hasn't pitched in the minors since 20, who hasn't pitched in professional baseball since 2017, like that alone is very impressive that he was able to work his way up there. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, must have had the reputation enough, had the trust from the Rays organization to get there and uh, followed through with it. Very good performance out of him and uh, look forward to seeing him on the mound. Probably, you know, he'll probably be up and down in the minors or, or whatever. As long as he's there. Um, as long as he's able to uh, use express his talent throughout uh, throughout a full major league career because, uh, you know, we know he's good. So the last subject we'll get into before our how about that's slightly alarming statistics and the preview of the week ahead. Uh, our favorite team finally uh, given us something to cheer about. First time in a, in a couple years. They're on a six-game win streak. Uh, you know, this started against the Tampa Bay Rays last Monday and continued with a sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they really flipped the switch pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, what a turnaround for the Boston Red Sox. You know, you go into that opening weekend against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, everything's bad. The offense is very bad. The pitching was subpar, uh, just to put it nicely, I guess. And a team that had pretty, like, I feel like not too much expectations. I mean, we both had them finishing fourth, um, you know, to come, to come back and really flip the switch. Like that is, that is huge for the momentum of the season going forward. I mean, JD Martinez is hitting the crap out of the ball. Christian Vasquez has been doing very well. Uh, Devers has been heating up. Bogarts has been heating up. Uh, Verdugo has been heating up. He had his first home run of the season today as well. And they still have guys that need to get going, but I mean, there's, there's very real, this might be the most optimistic Red Sox fans should have been since 2018. Um, yeah, because, yeah, 2019, you know, there was a, a, the only ray of sunshine I can think of is when they won those three games against the Yankees. But then yeah. that immediately crumbled. And then we immediately went on an eight-game losing streak. Like, that was the most optimistic I think we were in 2019. 2020 was obviously – a there was no reason to ever be optimistic except for like on opening day. Yeah. Uh, so for context here, uh, they, during this hit streak, they are hitting 332 with a 955 OPS. Uh, they also on the pitching side of things, even with today allowing nine runs uh, while they're hitting 332 with a 955 OPS, they have a 357 ERA uh, coming into Sunday, it was a 2.57 ERA, and that was seventh in the majors, but that probably goes down a little bit. And uh, coming into Sunday, they were second in OPS, but they were behind the Reds, and the Reds, I believe, got shut out today. They did. So, and Luke Weaver. By, uh, yeah, Luke Weaver, who, you know, was a, was a player to watch in 2020 and probably will do better this year than he did last year. I hope so. But yeah, they probably overtake the Reds in terms of offensive rankings since since Monday, uh, since last Monday, not the date of this recording. And uh, also during this win streak, they're outscoring opponents 53 to 25. That's uh, close to nine runs per game scored and uh, about four runs per game allowed from the uh, – from the Red Sox, uh, and do you? Um, I have a couple. You have, yeah. There's probably um, some individual performances that we. Mine have. is just mine is just a, a note on today's game. The Red Sox hit six home runs as a team today. 
Three of them were from J.D. Martinez. I believe Devers had two, and Alex Verdugo had one, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's it. Am I missing any? Um, yeah, for home runs, yeah, that's the – That's the complete list. Yeah. Um, this was only – this was the first game uh, that the Red Sox had six home runs since June of 2019, and it's only the fourth of such game that they've had since the 2014 season. So okay. today, was, today in particular was a big day for the Red Sox against the Orioles. Yeah, it it was a it was an absolute home run parade. You know, it felt like every time I looked up, the ball was going out of the mm-hmm. out of the yard there. Um, let me, I'm gonna look for some individual statistics for some guys because you know, JD. I mean, just put out JD, JD Martinez's entire season. Yeah, JD Martinez. He, you know, he was going even during the losing streak. Uh, so, I think he. Uh, I think he has an extra base hit in every single game so far. Um, JD, that's that no, could JD. be. Uh, yeah. How about that? Like, how many other guys have had an extra extra base hit every um, game? Ian Brown had a tweet. Let me find this. Ian Brown had a tweet today about it, where he said, uh, "Hang on." So, Fangraphs doesn't have. Uh, Sunday's game yet because we are recording on Sunday but uh, Xander Bogarts in his four games during the at the time five game win streak was hitting 533 uh, with a 1211 OPS Um, Christian Vasquez was hitting 409 with a whatever 435 plus 773 is good a good a 1208 OPS. So Christian Vasquez had a 1208 OPS during the streak. Um, and yeah, well, those are just on the wins above replacement leaders. I could probably filter by team. You probably could. Um, if if uh, so, anyway, this tweet is from Ian Brown, MLB.com, where he said, "If JD gets an extra base hit tomorrow in Minnesota, he will set an all-time record for most consecutive games starting a season with an extra base hit." Wow. All right. Yeah. That's that's big time. I'm, yeah, that's a that's a how about that in the making. Um, yeah, during the winning streak coming into Sunday, uh, Bogarts had a 12-11 OPS. JD Martinez had a 12-28, and that's probably low for him on the season. Probably brought it down. Uh, yeah, Vasquez 12-08, Devers 9-46. That's going to increase dramatically after the stats come in for Sunday. Uh, Verdugo 9-10, and yeah, those are the. So those are the qualified hitters, and their pitching looks pretty good too. Uh, yeah, uh, outside of even like Garrett Richards had a good start on uh, Saturday. On Saturday he did pretty well. Yeah, I mean like there's there's reason to be optimistic in Boston, and you know maybe right now it's cautious optimism because we are so early into the season, and maybe things will even out. But regardless, like this this team, they have potential to to make a run at the playoffs. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Eovaldi's had two good starts. Uh, Pavetta, I would consider, has had two good starts, even though he, he he gave up a three-run homer in, like, the sixth. But when you're up 10-1 to one and you give up a home run. It's a garbage I time. Yeah, it's it's not really meaningful. These aren't, like, stress pitches being thrown. Um, and, uh, this, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez is back from the I.L., yeah, I was about to say Tanner Houck, but nope, he's not in the rotation. 
Very weird, but that's the reality right now. Martin Perez did pretty well in his one outing, I believe. Yeah, he did, and he's uh, starting on Monday. Against his former team. That's true, former team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's looking looking pretty good right now. Uh, cautiously optimistic, but, you know, they did – they swept the Rays. If They did, they, and they won two out of three against the Yankees this weekend. Yeah, if – if the Red Sox swept the Orioles and like, I don't know the, um, like the Tigers, yeah. I wouldn't be this optimistic. But when you sweep the Rays, when you sweep the defending American League champions, you know you sweep the defending American League champions. Yeah, regardless of how their offseason was, that's very impressive. Yeah, and you know I feel like their their offense was or their offseason wasn't the worst in the world. They just lost two starting pitchers um and yeah we both have them as a as a playoff team but yeah uh i think that leads into our uh players to highlight for right and wrong reasons uh first we'll start off with this monday april 12th 2021 edition of so uh who do you have to highlight all right so i gotta i'm gonna list out some people here chris and uh, I'm, there's, okay, this is a relatively big list, but it's going to lead into my player. So there are 18 players in baseball right now who have had at least 16 batted balls of at least 95 miles per hour in exit velocity since the start of the season. And in no particular order, they are Corey Seager, Manny Machado, Paul Goldschmidt, Ronald Acuna Jr., Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Trevor Story, Tyler Naquin, who's had a very good start to the season, Kyle Seager, Jose Altuve, Reese Hoskins, Yuli Gurriel, Eric Hosmer, Marcus Simeon, J.D. Martinez, Byron Buxton, Nelson Cruz. Uh, that's actually 17, or that's actually 16 players because they, they put Altuve on the list twice for whatever reason. But the last player on this list is a man named Philip Evans. Hmm. And many of you may be asking who Philip Evans is, and I was, I would have been too, but he was actually the Pirates replacement third baseman for when Key Brian Hayes went down. He was not in the opening day lineup for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but he has been crushing the ball all season. Let me tell you about Philip Evans, because, I mean, you're already talking about the names he was on that list with, with 16 batted balls hit above, uh, 95. Hit above 90, uh, 95 miles per hour. He went into Sunday with a slash line of 391, 462, 826 for a 1288 OPS. And one of the, probably the most impressive thing about him is that uh, he has a hard hit ball in 39% of his swings. When he swings the bat 39% of the time, it results in a hard hit ball. That includes the swings and misses. That includes foul balls. That includes every time he swings the bat. This, that 39%, it leads the majors. And the next closest is Ronald Acuna with 33.3. So it's not even particularly close. And he also came into Sunday as the only player in the majors with 200 plus weighted runs created plus and a K percentage below 9%. So Philip Evans, he wasn't in the starting lineup for the consensus worst team in baseball on opening day, which probably, you know, that's probably not a good sign, but he has been absolutely making, making, uh, making it all worth it for him this season so far. That's a, that's an, that's a very intriguing, uh, yeah. intriguing guy right there. Uh, I'm gonna look up this guy. Who? 
I want to. I want to see how old he is. I want to see. Yeah. What is dive? Dive in, Chris. Uh, he's twenty-eight. Um. He played two years on the Mets. Played thirty-four games combined. Played eleven games for the Pirates last year. I mean, career, one thirty-two OPS plus. Look at that. Uh, now it's, yeah. That yeah. I mean, that's better than uh. And he's got a two twenty-two this season. Yeah, one thirty-two OPS plus. I think. I think Joe Morgan might have had that, or it was like one thirty. <laughs> so. He's on a good track. Yeah. You know? And I mean, like, that's, you know, Key Brian Hayes was like the consensus reason to watch the Pirates this year. He obviously goes down, and Phillip Evans picks up right where he would have left off. Actually, now I got to look up where he's played in his career because he probably shouldn't focus on playing third base if Key Brian Hayes is going to. No, yeah, like, did. that's, he's got to stay in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, Phillip Evans, I'm looking at trying to get his standard fielding here, but it looks like he plays a lot of positions. Oh, he's pitched. Well, he's pitched. He pitched in a blowout recently. He pitched this year. He pitched in a blowout. And he also had a home run in that game. Yeah. Uh, there are two players. In fact, there are two players to Homer and pitch in the same game in 2021. They are Shohei Otani and Phillip Evans. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, this is got this guy is very intriguing. He, yeah, he, he pitched a perfect inning. I can't believe I just I just got one by you. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I wasn't digging deep enough. Yeah, he's played twenty one career games at third base, five in the outfield, four at second base. So he can go really wherever because two at first base, one at pitcher. Regardless of where he goes, he's got to be in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking we see the National League Shohei Otani, but <laughs> if he can just play second base, that's fine too. I'm all right. I'm all right with seeing that. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine there's that much competition for the guy. Uh, my how about that? Uh, my how about that is a guy who has seen, just saw a new change of uh, scenery. Michael A. Taylor. Mm. So he's hitting 370 with a 1022 OPS this year, and he has hit safely in all seven games he's played in. So very good statistics, probably nothing you can rely on too long. Although uh, he's actually, according to Baseball Savant, probably getting a little bit unlucky. His expected WOBA is 110 points higher than his actual WOBA. And his expected slugging is 261 points higher than his actual slugging. So everything is uh, everything is up. His, He's getting very unlucky, actually. Yeah, extremely, extremely unlucky. unlucky. And, you know, his uh, average exit velocity this year is crazy. It's 96 point something. Um, you know, those things go down. But, you know, if he's hitting the ball this well, this early, then uh, – it might be a sign of, of some improvement this year. You know, not saying he's necessarily going to be like a guy in the MVP, MVP conversation or anything, but he's a guy that might be a key piece for the Royals, uh, you know, this year and, and in the next few years if he continues to hit the ball as well as he is. So uh, now on to uh, from the uh, highs to the lows where we're talking about players who are players or teams 
general subjects that are doing poorly as of late and should be doing better. Uh, here's the April 12, 2021 edition of Slightly Alarming. So who do you got to highlight? So this might be, this is going to be a little bit dated because this guy is actually playing right now. So okay. his slash line that I'm, about to, that I'm about to state is probably going to be a little different when this episode comes out. But as of now, Marcelo Zuna has not been very good for the Braves. I mean, he was a huge offseason signing. You know, that was, we kind of agreed that signing Marcelo Zuna was the reason that they, there weren't any contract negotiations with Freddie Freeman. Uh, so the assumptions that the Braves were going it with it, going for it this year by signing Ozuna and what he's done in return is slash uh, 125, 222, 125, 355. So right. yeah, three yeah on the season. So he, uh, he has not had an extra base hit yet. Uh, which is that's slightly alarming in itself. I believe he led the league in extra base hits last year, or he at least, at least was up there. Uh, not one yet this season. So that's been an issue for Ozuna. And it's been an issue for the Braves because they've, you know, they're four and four. They lost the first four games of the season. So I guess it's been a little better recently. But uh, his expected stats aren't particularly great either. His ex Woba is in the eighth percentile. His expected batting average is in the sixth percentile. His ex slugging is in the third percentile. Mind you, his ex-slugging last year, 98th percentile. It's going down to the third percentile right now. And his K-rate is in the 10th percentile after it was in the 48th last year. So Marcelo Zuna, I'm going to need to see more. Yeah. Um, very bad start for uh, for that guy. Um, a guy I'm looking at is someone who, you know, he's not necessarily an established name, but he had a very good year last year, an 886 OPS last year, and was uh, one of the one of the key components of the Blue Jays lineup. And this year, he's not looking like one of those guys. And in fact, you know, looking like someone who might get taken out of the lineup when whenever George Springer comes back. Uh, Rowdy Telez, he is currently 0 for 21 with eight strikeouts. And of his 13 balls in play, uh, only one has been a line drive. And six of those 13 balls in play had 010 ex expected batting averages or less. And yes, I mean, or less. There was one that he had with that had a 000 expected batting average, which is that's is that even possible? It's extremely rare. It was a it, it said it was a, a pop out. I need to see this. Uh, I forget which game it was, but I think, I don't know, they might've been facing the Rangers. I'm not sure, but I was surprised to see that as well. But yeah, he's not, he's doing a pretty poorly right now. You know, he's obviously 0 for 21. His expected stats, you know, make him look like he's a guy who's should be going around, should be having those types of numbers. Uh, so yeah, you know, maybe a, concern for the blue jays uh so that does it for uh that does it for slightly alarming and now on to uh, a preview of the of the week ahead the next grouping of series that we uh have to talk about i'm i'm looking at one in particular uh are you looking at are you looking at that one i'm looking at one particular matchup tomorrow um, if you go through the matchups, you're going to know exactly which one it is. 
Is it is it Garrett Cole versus Robbie Ray? Of course it is Garrett Cole versus Robbie Ray. Ray Day is tomorrow. He's going up against Garrett Cole. We're going to see strikeouts. We're going to see walks. We're going to see probably nothing in between, just those two things, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, the uh, Red Sox game is in the afternoon, so we can get the uh, – yeah, we can get Yankees Blue Jays at night. Uh, the series I'm looking at is, you know, a team that we highlighted. Uh, it's the Red Sox, and I feel like they're getting a big test in a four-game set against the Twins on the road as well. Uh, it's their first tough matchup on the road, and it's their first matchup out of the division since 2019, or out of the East section yeah. since 2019. And, uh, yeah, they're facing the Twins. Uh, they're going to face some good pitching as well. So Monday is Perez versus Happ, uh, with the Red Sox having Martin Perez, Twins having J.A. Happ. Uh, Tuesday is Eovaldi versus Maeda, very good matchup. Wednesday, Erod versus Jose Barrios, who's had a very good year uh, in his two starts. And lastly, on Thursday, it's Garrett Richards versus Michael Pineda. You know, if if the Red Sox take uh, like three out of four in this one, I'm I'm saying they might be they might be legit. You know, this could be a thing that could show whether they're legit or not. If they lose three out of four, I wouldn't necessarily say they're frauds, but I think this this is something that could maybe solidify the Red Sox as a uh, potential threat i'll talk about a series uh i talked about one particular matchup but i'll get an entire series the reds and giants uh start a series in san fran tomorrow night on monday or tonight i guess on monday both teams are six and three they've been going pretty far under the radar the reds i guess not the reds as much because their offense has been very potent the giants in particular though uh, i think both of these teams have a lot to prove in this series and on monday night it's wade miley going for the reds against aaron sanchez for the giants and then on Tuesday, it is Luis Castillo versus Kevin Gosman. That's pretty much ace versus ace. Uh, and it looks like it's a two-game – oh, no, it's a three-game series. And then on Wednesday, you have my guy to watch on the Reds, Tyler Male, going up against Johnny Cueto, who has had an excellent first couple of starts in 2021. Yeah, um, and I guess I'll, I'll point out a particular matchup. Or actually, there's, there's two very good matchups on – Tuesday that I'm seeing one you know one I definitely don't have to explain why this is intriguing you got Bieber versus Giolito Tuesday night yeah. and you also have Steven Strasburg versus Jack Flaherty uh, slightly preceding that on Tuesday night so Tuesday's Tuesday's the big night for matchups uh, oh also Kyle Hendricks versus Brandon Woodruff and uh, I guess you know two guys that are definitely good one definitely better than the other max freed versus pablo lopez mm-hmm. uh, i don't know maybe that maybe that doesn't kick the tires as much as the previous three but yeah some good pitching matchups you can rely on those earlier in the season because guys on are on a rotation uh more consistently now uh it's very yeah. fun when you get to august you have like a garrett cole facing the number four pitcher in like the orioles yeah. rotation yeah got there's like you know, basically guaranteed wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that leads to uh, the conclusion of the episode. We hope you enjoyed this one. 
uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we had video for this one, even though even though we're uh, both on campus, we do have video for this one. Yeah. Uh, it is on our YouTube channel. Go and go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Follow us on social media. I am at Chris underscore Gianta on Twitter. Daniel is Daniel underscore Curran on both Twitter and Instagram. And follow this show Instagram as well, at Above Replacement Radio. So we hope you enjoyed this one, and we will see you later this week where we're going to be reviewing the series we talked about, all the news, and previewing the weekend. See you then.